Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? This is your boy, Melvin, a.k.a. Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned into the Naldo Formula One podcast. This is episode six. This will be the 2022 Belgian Grand Prix review. Man, um, kind of an uneventful race, man. I'm, I'm kind of a little bleh today. Um, pretty sad. If you've already watched the race, then you'll know this, but... For me, being a Lewis Hamilton fan, it was not the greatest of days. But uh, we we move on. We got a triple header, so we got um, Monza next weekend, and then I believe Zanfort, or no, we got Zanvort next weekend, and Monza the week after that. So we got two pretty important races coming up, and yeah i mean the championship has extended even further so that's pretty much out of reach and i'm a little disappointed because it wasn't the most exciting of races that i've ever seen um from formula one and from belgium so a little disappointed about that but you know what it is what it is they all can't be bangers right so it's cool I don't, i'm not tripping so let's go ahead and get uh, right into the race rundown and review and all of that good stuff. So um, I'm just taking a look at the starting grid. So the big story of Saturday was that a lot of drivers were starting with grid penalties um, for this race. I think this was a good track to start to have grid penalties just because it was so easy to overtake. And it was easy to close off and finish moves and stuff like that and follow through, even though it's a pretty long lap. It was still relatively easy, it seemed, to cut through the field for most of the drivers as long as you had a good pace advantage. So, let's see. Max Verstappen, championship leader, Charles Leclerc, uh, Lando Norris, Joe Guan Yu, Valtteri Bottas, Mick Schumacher, um, Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly all had grid penalties this weekend, so... They were all set to start from the back of the grid. Obviously, they couldn't all start from the back of the grid. They can't all start in 20th place, but they kind of filtered out based on the qualifying pace from yesterday. And so that left Carlos Sainz on pole by default, even though Max Verstappen technically set the quickest lap yesterday. Uh, Sergio Perez started in P2. Fernando Alonso in a lofty P3. Lewis Hamilton, P4. George Russell, P5, Alex Albon, P6, Danny Rick, P7, a good starting position for him. Oh, before we, you know what, that just reminded me. I didn't, I meant to do a like mid-season or like summer break first half of the season review, but I mean, it's kind of a summer break for me too. I just got, been kind of focusing on work and like my personal life and stuff like that, so I just kind of decided to take a little bit of a break along with um, Formula One. But a lot happened over that summer break. Uh, The whole Oscar Piastri fiasco with Alpine and McLaren, which we're still waiting to see how it unfolds. But it's looking more and more likely that as long as uh, Oscar is able to get out from underneath of his Alpine junior driver contract, that he will be a McLaren driver for 2023. So... That's pretty exciting unless you're an Alpine fan. And so in turn, that means that, unfortunately, my man Daniel Ricardo, Rick Bobby, Danny Rick was the honey badger was dropped from 
from McLaren. They said for a buyout of around fifteen million dollars, so it's a little bit less than the like the twenty plus million dollar number that we had originally heard a couple of weeks ago, but still a very lofty number to leave a company essentially. Like I can't imagine if my company decided to pay me fifteen million dollars or any amount of money to go away, like a year's worth of salary or whatever, to just go away and basically do whatever you want to do. So that's kind of crazy. But yeah, man, I'm Danny seemed pretty upset about it. A lot of the drivers on the grid seemed pretty upset about it. Um, overall, just, he's a great personality and I want him to get another, another drive, hopefully for another decent team, maybe a stint back at Alpine might be good. It seemed like he really gelled with that team in the two years that he was there. I know the first year was pretty tough, but that second year it seemed like he really got into a groove. Got two podiums, I believe, in uh, 2020 with uh, Alpine or with uh, Renault, who they were at the time. So I think that he still has a lot to give to the sport. I mean, he's, what, an eight-time, eight- or nine-time race winner? So... He's, he's definitely one of the most talented drivers on the grid, and I just think that he needs a package that he's going to feel comfortable with and to regain his confidence. And if he can do that, then I think we're in for a real treat if Danny can get another another seat in Formula One. But back to uh, the, the starting grid. So Pierre Gasly originally qualified eighth, but I believe he started from the pit lane as well. Lance Stroll started eighth. Sebastian Vettel started ninth. Nicholas Latifi started 10th. K-Mag, uh, 11th. Botas, 12th. Max Verstappen, 13th. Charles Leclerc, 14th. Esteban Ocon, Lando Norris, Joe Kwan Yu, Mick Schumacher. And then there's Sonoda and Gasly from the pit lane. So just to give you guys a race rundown of the results, and then we'll get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty of the, the race. So Max Verstappen ended up winning the race, cutting through the field. There was absolutely no match for for Max th- this weekend. He was just on it, the Red Bull package, and him as a driver. It was just basically untouchable this season. I don't think anybody, even if Mercedes can fix their, their woes, I still don't think that they'll be in touching distance of Red Bull. I mean, they were so far clear in qualifying. I believe Max's qualifying lap was like two or three tenths ahead of signs which is a lot all things considered but and then they were like a second plus up on the rest of the field like it wasn't even it was almost laughable how um how quickly they just shot up like from the field basically how 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 much they were able to separate themselves this weekend especially because we had been hearing a lot of hype about mercedes potentially bringing big upgrades to the second half of the season and looking to maybe stir up the pot a little bit in the championship and make things a little bit more complicated, but it definitely doesn't look like it's going to be that sort of sort of deal for the rest of the season, at least as far as right now. I know uh, Spa is a very, very much a power circuit, and that is pretty much Mercedes' biggest weakness. I think the car is pretty draggy, and so that's really hurting them on these like long power circuits, which is why I'm a little worried for, for Monza in two weeks because that is the most power-hungry circuit on the grid or on the calendar. And so I do believe they'll probably end up struggling a lot at Monza. 
but we'll worry about that when we get there. So Max, back to Max Verstappen, completely dominated, fastest lap. Um, yeah, nobody could touch Max this weekend. And then Sergio Perez completed the Red Bull 1-2. Um, I think that's only the 21st 1-2 in all of Formula 1 history. So great weekend for Red Bull. Got maximum points. Couldn't ask for anything any, anything better from them. Then you got Carlos Sainz rounding out the podium in P3. George Russell performed very well in P4. It looked like he was going to clip Carlos for that last podium slot at the end. He ended up finishing about two and a half seconds off of Carlos. So, And it looked like he was closing up towards the end, but I think his medium tires just started to go off, and there just wasn't enough pace in the car for the Ferrari today. But still a great finish from George, all things considered. Um, Fernando Alonso in P5, Charles Leclerc in P6, tough day in the office for Ferrari, another one, but we'll get into that a little bit later when I get into my main talking points. Esteban Ocon, P7, Sebastian Vettel in the points in P8, great weekend for him. Pierre Gasly back in the points in P9, another good performance for Pierre, great bounce back for him. Alpha Tower has really been struggling this season, so it's good to see them get some points. Alex Albon scoring, having his second points finish of the season, I believe, in P10 in the Williams. So great performance from Alex. It seemed like that Williams is crazy slippery in a straight line. And they basically taken the Mercedes power unit and fixed what Mercedes wasn't able to do. I really think it has a lot to do with those side pods, man. I don't like the, the skinny side pods. I think they need to kind of scrap that idea and just go back to – to what is working for the entire field because they're the only team that's really trying to pull that. And it's it's good enough to get them clear of the rest of the midfield, but not good enough for a championship contending car, at least right now. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But, yeah, um, Alex Albon in P10 and then Lance Stroll in P11, Lando Norris P12, Yuki Tsunoda P13, Joe Guan Yu, P14, Daniel Ricciardo, P15. Tough tough day for Daniel. I really wanted him to perform well and get some good points and potentially show teams out there that he still has a lot of talent and a lot to give to the lot to give to the sport, but it just didn't work out that way. I don't basically McLaren's entire race just completely fell apart this weekend and I, I'm not really sure what happened to him. And you'll see I had lofty expectations for McLaren this weekend just based on the like the amount of upgrades and stuff that they were bringing and how they were, were talking and stuff, but it just didn't work out that way. And then Kevin Magnuson in the Haas finished P16. McShoemacher in the other Haas finished P17. Nicholas Latifi finished P18. And our non-finishers were Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. So... Let's just get into lap one because it was a crazy lap one, and then things kind of just kind of died down from there. At least in, unless you're just fully invested in like Ferrari strategist nonsense clown show, but other than that, it, the race kind of dulled out from there. So to start the race, Lewis got had a really good getaway like he usually does um, this year and like he has been doing. So he jumped up. 
I believe, into P3. Paris had a really tough start. Um, I believe Paris started on the mediums and Signs started on the soft. So he was Signs was able to pull away really well and kind of clear himself from any kind of trouble at the beginning. And then uh, up, up Al Rouge and Radion down the uh, the Kimmel Strait. Lewis and Fernando were side by side. And honestly, if you've been watching Formula One for a while, you should know that anytime Lewis and Fernando are side by side, you kind of hold your breath a little bit. And so that entire time, I was just like praying that there wouldn't be an incident. Like, just let's just get through this clean. Everybody just, yeah, let's just get through this clean. I was completely holding my breath because I had a weird feeling something bad was about to happen. And sure enough, uh, my gut was not lying to me today. And Lewis tried to hang it around the outside and he turned in way too tight and didn't leave Fernando enough space and basically clipped his right rear tire on Fernando's left front tire and it vaulted Lewis into the air and he kind of slammed back on the ground and then damaged his floor. And you could just see that the, the car was is too too damaged to keep going. And eventually the team called him in to stop the car and yeah that was the end of lewis's race and he was very distraught if you saw like his body language and heard his voice after the race because he was very down in the dumps after yesterday's qualifying because it was not a good qualifying for mercedes i believe they qualified seventh and eighth so very poor one of the poorest of the season as far as like combined and as a team they just seemed in no man's land for all of, of qualifying Saturday. And like they've shown earlier in this season and pretty much throughout the entire season, their race pace has been much better than qualifying. I think George showed that today, potentially fighting for a podium. But Lewis did not have that chance uh, of his own doing. So, yeah, he basically took himself out and – I do believe Lewis probably would have got penalized for that incident had he been able to keep going just because he was much more at fault from that incident than Fernando. Um, I'm not the biggest Fernando fan, but I'm also, and I am a Lewis fan, but I'm also very realistic and I'm very, um, yeah, just I'll be openly critical about the people I support, especially when it's a genuine like screw up. So yeah, Lewis kind of botched that one. There was a lot of talk about what Fernando said on the radio afterwards. I really don't want to get into that because I know that a lot of the times drivers, I don't really like to hold what drivers say against them, at least on the team radio, just because when you're in the heat of the moment and all that adrenaline's pumping and stuff like that, stuff just comes out. And even though you may necessarily, like, I wouldn't say you don't mean it because you do mean it. I just, um, some stuff just is better left unsaid and it's hard to put that filter on in the heat of the moment, especially when Fernando wasn't sure if he was going to be able to carry on and stuff like that. But I mean, if you didn't hear the radio, basically after the incident, Fernando, um, was verbally upset at Lewis and basically just insinuated that he can't win races unless he starts from pole, which I mean, is we all know is not true. Uh, we've seen Lewis win races from the back of the grid. We've seen Lewis win races from the midfield. And I believe Lewis has more wins that aren't from pole than Fernando has wins in his entire 
career. So we all know that's not true. But also two things can be true. Lewis did screw up that that specific incident, but that doesn't mean that Fernando's not still bitter about the history that they have between each other. Two things can be true at the same time. So I believe it was a little bit of both of those things, and I believe that was probably just a culmination of frustration that he's had for, for Lewis for years that it just came out at that one moment. So it is what it is. Uh, we just move forward to next week. Lewis will be better next week, and hopefully we can keep it all clean. That's really my biggest, like, hope every weekend is I just want a clean race. Like, I don't want any, like, off-the-track controversy and all of that, like – I want all the drivers to finish the race. I want the results to be on track. I hate when drivers DNF, especially like mechanical failures. I know it's a part of the sport, but it sucks because then you spend the entire race talking about what could have been and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, that's some, that's all I'll say about that incident. Um, the other incident was Nicholas Latifi going wide at, I believe that is turn five or no, that's turn. Yeah, turn five, I think. And he got onto the gravel trap and spun it in the gravel and basically clipped Botas's rear end. And um, Botas ended up spinning out and getting beached in the gravel trap at turn six, and he was unable to get out. So that was the end of Botas's race. Uh, Latifi was able to carry on, but we know typical Latifi really didn't do anything after that. Kind of was in no man's land. So it is what it is. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much everything that happened on turn or on lap one. And then from there, it was basically just Max Verstappen cutting through the field, basically passing a car per lap. I think he was back into first place by lap 12 due to the safety car that was caused by Lewis and Valtteri being out. So he was back into the top spot in about less than 10 laps. So, yeah, I mean, they were unstoppable. Perez really wasn't on his level of signs. There was nothing that he can do. And then combine that with the Ferrari strategy woes. I mean, if you watched the race, then you would have heard that, like, Ferrari and and Leclerc were literally having, like, full-on strategy conversations during the race. And not, like, the coded messages, like, that most – teams will have with their drivers so that they don't indicate to other teams what they plan on doing and this that and the other but no they were literally having full-on conversations like ferrari asking him how many laps do you think you can do on this tire oh we're gonna put on medium tires in x amount of laps like literally verbatim word for word just giving out their entire strategy i saw a meme on twitter during the race and somebody (laughs) posted that it was a picture of like Mattia Bonotto in clown makeup and it basically said that um Ferrari since they don't want the strategist to take the blame they're just making Charles Leclerc be the strategist and that just had me in complete tears that was funny because that's basically what it felt like it seemed like they didn't want to take responsibility for picking a strategy so they just decided hey Charles we'll just make you the strategist and you can tell us what you'd want to do and that doesn't really seem like the right answer, and it's definitely not the recipe for championship success. But it is what it is. I mean, I've just come to believe that that's just typical Ferrari at this point. There's just not much else to it. 
and yeah i mean the rest of the race was pretty dull i mean we had some battles in the midfield but honestly i can't even lie once lewis dnf and ferrari didn't look competitive whatsoever i kind of checked out of this race i wasn't really too interested in anything that that belgium had to offer this weekend so let's just get into my race predictions and then we'll do the driver grades and then i'll wrap this up it just there's just not a whole lot to really talk about uh for this race hopefully zanvoort will be better i'm not holding my breath just because of the nature of zanvoort circuit and how tight and twisty it is and it's just really hard to overtake so i'm not expecting the best race from zanvoort excuse me yeah i'm not expecting the best race from zanvoort zanvoort but we will see what happens i'm just expecting more max domination at this point i can't i can't complain about it i mean lewis has dominated for the better part of the last decade so it is what it is i mean they got they got the regulations right max is in top form so yeah i can't can't fault them they're just doing what they have to do at this point let's see so my first race race prediction was that a merc would be on the front row now i did make that prediction knowing that max and charles both had grid drop penalties so i uh figured that through practice sessions merc would maybe sandbagging a little bit and i gave him a little too much credit and so that was that ended up being wrong i said that lance stroll would be make a Q3 appearance. I figured this would be the one crazy weekend. Well, one, I thought we were going to get rain on Saturday, and it seems like whenever there's rain, Lance Stroll just seems to quietly pop it into some crazy position. Like, he got that random pole at Turkey in 2020 in the rain. And so, yeah, I figured this would be one of those weekends. But the rain ended up staying away for Saturday and Sunday. So, that didn't happen. Uh, I said a surprise podium finisher again, non meaning non-top three teams, so non-Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull, and that didn't end up happening. I figured that Max and Charles might have a tougher time cutting through the field than that, and I figured that maybe that Sergio and, and Carlos would have a closer battle throughout the race and that maybe one of them would end up getting taken out or something to that effect. So that – didn't really that one didn't really age well i didn't get any of my predictions right this weekend i mean i think it's almost becoming a trend of like me and like wrong race weekend predictions because i've been doing pretty bad i had a really good first weekend i think but after that it's been pretty downhill from there but i will continue nonetheless and so the podium finisher didn't happen. I said McLaren would outscore Alpine this weekend. That's kind of the biggest midfield battle right now. And obviously that did not happen because neither of the McLaren scored points this weekend. And both of the Alpines scored points this weekend. So, yep, wrong about that one too. And then I said Leclerc and Max will both finish in the top five. And I was so close, so close. Uh, Charles finished just behind Fernando less than a second. Or no, a little over a second behind Fernando. And so, yeah, that that one didn't age well either. So I went 0 for 5 this this year, or this weekend. So, yeah, not my best weekend. Didn't put my best foot forward this weekend. So it is what it is. I think I might have jinxed Mercedes with that front row uh, finish pick. But whatever, I'm not mad. Let's see. Let's just go into my race 
or my driver grades or my driver W's and L's, my team W's and L's, and then we'll preview Zanvoort a little bit. So Max Verstappen, W+. Plus. He killed it this weekend, didn't put a foot wrong. Sergio Perez gets a W, wasn't on the pace of his teammate, but secured top points for for Red Bull this weekend. Carlos, he gets a W. I think he did all that he could. I just don't think the car was there for him today, and I don't think the team helped him out that much. George gets a W. Fernando gets a W. Uh, Charles gets an L, I think. He had a tough time cutting through the field at the beginning, and I think he should have been higher. And then he had to make an early pit stop, I believe. I forgot for what reason. I don't, did he damage his front wing? I don't remember. Or no, he had like an issue with like his brake cooling or whatever. Like his like brakes were like smoking and not working properly. So I think they had to fix that in the stop in the pit. So he had to make an early pit stop. And then there's Esteban Ocon who gets a W double points finish for for Alpine. Sebastian Vettel W. Pierre Gasly W. Sebastian gets a W plus and Alex Albon gets a W plus as well. Lance Stroll gets a W. I think that was a good result for Aston Martin, all things considered. Lando Norris gets an L. Yuki Sonoda gets an L. Joe Guan Yu gets an L. Daniel Ricardo gets an L. Kevin Magnussen gets an L. Mick Schumacher gets an L. Nicholas TV gets an L. Botas, I'm not going to grade because he got taken out on lap one and it wasn't his fault. And then Lewis gets an L minus. This was probably his worst race weekend of the season so far, and other than Jetta. And I think this was probably worse than Jetta, obviously, because he just didn't didn't even end up finishing the race. So yeah, I mean, can't can't say anything else about it. Poor weekend from my man Lewis, but still we rise, man. We'll ba- we'll bounce back and. Hopefully, he'll be right back up there fighting for podiums again next weekend. So, we will see. So, just team grades. Red Bull gets a W+. Perfect weekend for them. Ferrari gets an L as a team. Didn't come to come to play. They weren't ready for prime time this weekend, basically. Fernando gets a – or not Fernando. Alpine gets a W. Aston Martin gets a W. Williams gets a W. Because they put together the package, Latifi's just, I don't know, Latifi just, he's Latifi. So, yeah, he he is, he's just going to consistently put it damn near in last place every weekend, and you can count on that. And so, McLaren gets a massive L this weekend, L minus to their upgrades. Didn't do jack at Spa. I said Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri gets Alpha Tauri gets a W back in the points. Alpha Romeo gets an L for this weekend. They've just completely fallen off. It looked like they were getting ready to lead the midfield this season. And they just haven't developed a car and haven't been able to keep up. They produced a good car at the beginning of the season, but it's a whole other thing to continue that upgrades and production throughout the season and that's where the top teams kind of separate themselves from the midfield and the back markers is when in development so it's one thing to prepare all winter to and not even all winter and years prior to prepare for next year's car and produce a good car at the beginning of the season it's a whole another thing to be able to sustain 
constant upgrades in R&D and production throughout the season and keep going on the upward trajectory. Because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards in Formula One. There's no standing still. And Alfa Romeo are a perfect example of that this uh, this season. They started off great, and they've been absolutely nowhere for the majority of the season in, like, the second half. And then there's Haas. They get an L. Yeah. And did I say Mercedes? Mercedes gets a W, by the way. They produced, a like, a decent car in the race, at least. Lewis just wasn't able to show that. And George showed that there was a good car underneath him this weekend at least good enough to secure the top points possible i believe so back to alfa romeo for a little bit that was another part of the craziness that happened between this summer break so alfa romeo um it seems like they will probably end up leaving the the Sauber car. So I don't if you, if you guys don't know, basically Alfa Romeo is not the actual team. So Sauber is the actual race team. Alfa Romeo is more like a major title sponsor. So they've taken over basically the aesthetics of the car and brought a lot of money into the team. But they don't act, they're not actually responsible for the production of the car. It's still Sauber. So it's technically Alfa Romeo Sauber racing, but um, Sauber has kind of taken a back seat uh, for financial purposes and let Alfa Romeo kind of be the face of the organization. But it seems like that will end at the end of 2023. And it seems like Audi, Audi Sport, if you hadn't heard already, is entering Formula One in 2026 under the new engine regulations as an engine supplier. But all things point towards them completely taking over the Alfa Romeo team and being their engine supplier and producing the chassis as well. So we will have another major manufacturer in Formula One in about four years time, three and a half years time, I guess. And I think it's good. I think it's a good thing for the sport. I believe that we need major manufacturers to be able to compete at the top with teams like Red Bull and Mercedes and Ferrari, these teams that have these massive backing and basically unlimited budgets at their disposal. I think a team like Andretti would be fun to see coming to Formula One, but realistically, do they have the resources to be able to produce a good car at this level and be able to, like I said earlier, do the R&D to be able to keep the car good throughout the entirety of the season. And I just don't know if that's possible with a small team in the current climate of Formula One. So I do believe Audi coming in is a good thing. But we will see. Um, it'll be interesting how if a sort of rivalry develops between them and Mercedes. I know the Audi team, Audi Sport page, have kind of already taken a shot at Mercedes a little bit in saying that, they're the only uh, Formula One engine produced in Germany, even though Mercedes is a German brand. The the um, team is still based out of the UK in Brackley, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I believe uh, Mercedes Formula One team is based out of Brackley in uh, Great Britain. So, yeah. Um, Audi Sport in Formula One is pretty exciting to see and 
speaking of the uh, the VW group, it seems like Porsche, the Porsche announcement is coming soon too. I think that's coming probably this week. I've heard rumors that it will be ahead of the Dutch Grand Prix this coming up weekend that they that Porsche will announce their partnership with Red Bull as an engine supplier in 2026. And I definitely believe a brand like Porsche with the racing heritage they have will probably eventually try to push for a full takeover of the Red Bull team. So then we will have another major uh, automotive manufacturer in Formula One, which I also think will be a good thing. I love Porsche as a brand, not the biggest Red Bull fan. So we'll see how that like relationship develops and see where it goes from here. But I would love to see Porsche in Formula One. I mean, they're big in pretty much every other racing series, whether it is like GT3 or WEC or um, Le Mans racing. They just they they produce some of the best cars in the world. They're probably consistently the best car brand across the board in the entire world. Like Porsche doesn't really make bad cars, so. And, I mean, with these six-cylinder engines, I mean, we know Porsche's been making six-cylinder engines since the dawn of time. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what happens. So, I will go over the championship standings real quick. And I'm slowly but surely running out of energy. And so, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here after that, after I give you guys the standings. I'm... I feel like I'm starting to ramble, and that's how I know when I get tired. I'm just going on and on and on and not really talking about anything. So leading the championship is Max Verstappen on 284 points. His teammate Sergio Perez is taking over second place with 191 points. Charles Leclerc is now in third with 186 points. Carlos Sainz takes back uh, fourth place ahead of George Russell and Carlos is on 171 points, while George is on 170. Lewis Hamilton is now 24 points behind his teammate in P6 on 146. Lando Norris is still holding on to P7 with 76 points. Esteban Ocon is in P8 with 64 points. Fernando Alonso is in P9 with 51. Valtteri Bottas is in P10 with 46. K-Mag in P11 with 22, Seb in P12 with 20, Danny Rick in P13 with 19 points, Pierre Gasly in P14 with 18 points, Mick Schumacher in P12 with, or P15 with 12 points, Yuki Tsunoda in P16 with 11 points, Joe Guan Yu in P17 with 5 points, Alex Albon in P18 with 4 points, Lance Stroll in P19 with four points as well. And Nicholas Latifi rounds out the grid with zero points in P20. So then I'm going to give you the constructor standings. Red Bull are dominating on 475 points. Ferrari have 357 in second place. Mercedes have 316 in third place. Alpine is holding on to that best of the rest title spot with 115 in fourth place. McLaren is in fifth with 95. Alfred Mayo in sixth with 51. Haas in seventh with 34. 
Alpha Tauri in eighth with twenty nine, and Aston Martin in Aston Martin in ninth with twenty four, and Williams in tenth with only four points. Yeah, so that is your updated championship standings for the drivers as well as the constructors. So, like I was saying a little bit earlier, next week we have the Dutch Grand Prix, Zandvoort. Really cool circuit. It's going to be really exciting and qualifying. We'll see what the weather looks like. And if you don't already, please follow all of my social media pages. It's at Naldo Formula One on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, please leave a review or a rating or any kind of engagement on this podcast wherever you're listening to it, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast app, essentially Google, Amazon, all that. I'm, I'm on all that. So, yeah, tune in. I'll be back next week with my race review. Going to try to pump out some more content throughout the week and try to be engaged on the socials. So, yeah, give me a follow. Uh, drop the purple heart, man. You know purple is my color. So drop that purple heart and all the comments, all your reactions and all that stuff. And just show some love. Yeah, man, I will see you guys next week. I'm out. Peace. Happy Sunday.